0: Listening to the Surgeons of Horror Podcast. Where's Craven? The Early Years. Episode 4 Deadly Blessing. Welcome to the fourth installment of the Surgeons of Horror Podcast. Its purpose is to look into the horror films, dissecting them one screen legend at a time. Our first horror legend and focus for this current season is director, writer, producer Wes Craven, who sadly passed away last year and gave us, the team at as of Horror Podcast the impetus to gather ourselves together and look back at his career and the impact he had on the horror film genre. In order to successfully do this, we need a team of horror aficionados who will form the surgical team each episode. So let me introduce you. First up is yours truly, Paul Farrell, lead surgeon and host for the series of the podcast. I'm a self-confessed horror freak who grew up drawn to the dark work of the silver screen and threw myself into that arena, absorbing as much of it as I could with relish and glee. Joining me each episode of the operating theatre is a select team of horror aficionados who are hand-selected to perform the surgical task of dissecting each movie. On hand with me this episode is Cheese. Is Cheese? On hand. <laughs> Hi, I'm Cheese. <laughs> On hand... Cheese. I'm Cheese. That's it. he said Cheese. I'm Cheese. On hand with me for this episode is Chief Anaesthetist <laughs> and Surgical Technician, Anthony Yee.
1: He's going to delete the cheese bit, <laughs> because he worked so hard on saying anaesthetist. I
0: know, it's bloody hard. I might just call you a surgical technician. Say cheese. Cheese technician. <laughs> Our cheese technician, <laughs> who offers a <laughs> <an laughs> insightful study into the art of celluloid with a keen eye on the slightest of details to narrow in on any imperfections or stuff that just L's his inquisitive mind.
1: That makes no sense and has no relevance to the movie whatsoever. I'm very good at that. Anyway, so I am Chief Cheese. Chief Cheese. You great. are Chief Surgeon. I'm,
0: I'm Chief Surgeon. Have
1: you ever done like... I've heard this. you've done this with the other guys. Yeah, go on. Um, you've been tempted to like... You give yourself a paragraph. I am... Chief medical surgeon, blah, who do this, blah, And with me is Ben,
0: Ben,
1: and Miles. So I'd, I'd, I think you should do that. Maybe I will. So, I that you say, "And with me." the team is Ant.
0: Have we got Ant? <laughs> yes. That's funny. No.
1: Yeah, if
0: you
1: want. Yes, do that. Strip you of any title if you want. Is our janitor? Is your podcast? And these doctors I am. And these do you realise? Yeah. Like they sit and they put a mask over your face. That's yes, that's six years medical school
0: but I get paid, I, get
1: paid a, I, I played in the cricket team with two of them and um yeah they get paid a bomb but when Speaking you get to putting
0: people to sleep cricket
1: <laughs> oh why oh, yeah. so um but the thing is without those guys you die so kind of of one, course man yeah so if you're right. going to medical school
0: yeah. why wouldn't you apply for that job yeah man why not do you want me to do that now, do you? No, well,
1: no. Is that, I mean, you know how the gag was? You get you know, a high enough score, your doctor missed out by two points, yeah. you're a dentist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, is that within the doctor culture when you apply, you got, you specialise and is there some sort of culture that would look down on you if you become an dentist yeah. because it's not real doctoring, but...
0: But, but you say that,
1: but you know. But would they turn around and go, well, fuck you, I own more money or just as good, and I sit down, and you have to actually do the work. Yeah. I just make sure the guy doesn't die. Yeah.
0: I've got to monitor the pulse. Well, it's a serious fucking thing. That's
1: right. Yeah, oh. seriously. Anyway. Yeah.
0: So you're the Chief Cheese. I'm Chief the, um, Cheese. So this, uh, so this current episode of our podcast is uh, we're, we're actually looking at the fourth subject in West Craven Early Late Years Sessions, his fourth movie, which is entitled Deadly Blessing. Yes. Um, one that kind of people may not have heard of, but we'll go, go into
1: detail. I had no idea. So I had no idea he was behind um, Scream, so that's how much I, I know. Think.
0: Was it he, Scream? Was it he Scream? He was wasn't he? Yeah. No. I'm just playing. Oh, you've just been good. I've been a dick. Like, mm-hmm. which is my right, it's Coast. Um So, well, as, as is usual, we, we've got a lot of people drilling people in the background, <laughs> so just bear
1: That wasn't oh, was me. Yeah.
0: might be but they're all asleep so it's all good Uh you did put them to sleep this time didn't you? I did yeah good Chief Cheese needs to look after that Mm -hmm. so as is always the case we go into the nuts and bolts by uh, talking through the plot narrative uh, that I like to call The Journey Mm -hmm. Um, so we'll kind of talk through that interject talk shit along the way um, before we then get into the characters of the piece uh, maybe a few director's notes and then our final verdict so the film opens with like a lot of chanting and skills, and there's these uh, stills, I should say, of Amish-looking people mm-hmm. who, in this instance, are called Hittites. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a narrator that describes a gruesome secret protected for years by generations. Uh, there's a close-up of uh, a guy called Isaiah, who is played by Ernest Borgnine. Oh, okay. Um, it's
1: been a while since I've seen this film. <laughs> you can yeah, make yeah, anything yeah. up, and I go, oh yeah. And then
0: a rabbit comes out and eats everyone's toes. Oh. What do you think
1: of that? Um, the toe rabbit In the bills
0: there's this tractor that's being pulled by a character called Jim, who is waved down by his oh. wife, they kiss.
1: Yeah, okay, come down.
0: Yeah. None of it's struck any from me We're then introduced to Faith, who is painted by remember. William who uh, is a simple man, played by Craven regular Michael Berman. He stinks up on faith, and he keeps saying, <coughs> <laughs> um,
1: It's kind of disturbing, because it was, it was like a... What was he doing? It was like a sexual assault in the middle of the field?
0: Yeah. Still- it's one of those, uh, I guess, within a tight, uh, tight-knit community, you try and sweep it under the carpet when oh, okay. there is somebody that's... Um, uh, well, I mean, he's mentally inflicted, you know. So, but they're
1: supposed to be uh, God's children. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cool. So, she's pissed off. From it's coming back to me now. She's pissed off, and her mum comes in.
0: Yeah, that's right. So, like, so he's kind of chatting the us a lot. Jim comes up on the tractor, and he—that's right—warns him away. Now,
1: Jim was the dude from the Duke's of Hazard.
0: No. Was not he? No, fool guy. Oh, the full guy
1: guy! But no, there was two of them. There were two deputies. Dixie has an Enos. He was the simple one, but there was another one who was... I'm pretty sure there's two of them.
0: What is his IMDB page? I, I, I looked it up. I'm mean, going to look it up while we're talking, but I'm pretty sure you'll find he's the full guy guy. I definitely is the full guy guy. He is definitely that guy. Um, anyway, so he comes up on the tractor... you are you looking that up? Yeah. He comes up on the tractor and uh, warns uh, William away. Face mother Louisa turns up and thanks Jim, who mentions that his wife is pregnant. Uh, a bit of a so
1: he's sort of painted straight away as the hero, yeah, the square jawed hero because he right. takes control of the situation. And the mum hits on him, or
0: it looks that way. She's, yeah. she's long
1: very long, flirty she's very Yeah, she's one of those milfs. Yeah, because the daughter's not that much younger. The daughter's about twenty odd. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah. So, um, and then <laughs> William's still
1: shouting in and <laughs> gibbering in the background <laughs> during <laughs> what I call a Paul Farrell scene because I could see easily see Paul doing the troll just running in the background going.
0: I could have played with the role of William, I think.
1: Yeah. With, uh, you would have given the part life, because I was thinking, you're going incubus. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs>
0: um, Terrible. John, who is Jim's brother, is then introduced to us, but is soon hounded by his father, Isaiah. Uh, darkness then falls, and William watches Jim pull into the shed where the latter finds the words incubus painted on the wall.
1: That's right, and he got really upset because he thinks somebody, the guy wrote it? Did he? Yeah, I yeah. Think so, yeah. Yeah.
0: Jill gives Jim an anniversary present. It's a photo album. And we learn that Jim used to be one of these hettites.
1: That's right. He's fallen from from thingy. Yeah. He's a fallen, relapsed hettite. That's
0: right. The couple retreat to the bedroom and make out.
1: Yes, this is weird because the bedroom is located on the ground floor.
0: Why
1: is that weird? Well, if you have a two-story house, most people put the bedroom, the master bedroom, upstairs. Yeah. The guest bedroom is on the ground floor, particularly close to the door, which this was. Did you think that was weird? No. no. <laughs> well I just, just killed that. No, like, it's weird. If you have a two story house like I'm assuming it's a three bedroom was, house. Well, how
0: do we know do we know that it's two I can't remember the shop It's a big, house. House. It's it's a big, a big house. house. It's a big house.
1: house it's a big yeah. house. So I assume in these two bedroom. Master bedroom usually is built upstairs, right? Right, yeah. There is a, definitely a bedroom. It's usually the guest kid or the kid's bedroom. Yeah. Because when you get a home invasion, you want the kid to go first, giving you time to get, to get up that's and get right.
0: out. That's right, yeah, yeah. Get rid of the kid. I just thought it was weird because it
1: was also very convenient because later on... Yeah. Yeah, the cameraman goes through the window.
0: Well, yeah, well, yeah that's right. That's yeah. Right. And, we, and that kind of leads into how we then go to this uh, POV kind of type shot. Um, so the couple are making out. Uh, at the same time, some, we see someone entering the house... Uh, whoever it is watches the couple before heading off again. Uh, Then, uh, it looks like it's a little while later, Jim thinks he hears a noise and he goes to investigate. He goes to the shed to find the tractor's engine ticking over and he sees someone. Uh, But just as he does so, he's then crushed to death by his own tractor.
1: This is the precursor to Carrie. Bob, the tractor. Now, um, I actually thought for the first time during the early oeuvre of... Craven, this was kind of scary.
0: Yeah.
1: I thought the scene, well, even like, like 30 odd years later, 40 years later, it's actually, okay, this is kind of atmospheric. I'm kind of getting yeah, a little yeah. spooked. Yeah. You know, the camera worker's working, the lighting's working, the pacing, the music. Yes. It wasn't bad. Like, it's, it's kind of aged okay.
0: I agree. This, I quite, agree. Yeah. this is like, yeah. I think, well, what we're well, four movies in, and this is, <laughs> bit, uh, I mean, yes, we had a, so Last House on the Left was. Brute force kind of. It's just style power porn, style. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Then the hills have eyes, which is iconic in itself, <laughs> and we've seen remakes of it since then. Um, yep. But it, you know, it stood out as as again a bit kind of uh, brute force kind of. Attack on a family. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, as you know, when we discussed summer of fear, that that's uh, been pared down because of the TV.
1: TV aspect. Yep, yep, yep,
0: But we're getting, this is his next movie, and we're getting a, uh, an indication that he's uh, he's getting freedom to create stuff. No, but he's finally starting to get scary. He's finally starting to figure out how to... And I yeah. think if you want to, because obviously there were, a, like, Last House on the Left and The Hills Have Eyes are iconic films in their own right. Mm. But I think this movie, and this is why it's important, I think, for any horror film fan or fans of Wes Craven to go find us out and watch it. Because I think this is the first indication that we get of Craven walking into... What we feel is more a, a, a typical horror venture. Yeah, but um, he's learning his craft. He is. He's learning. He does, yeah. Remote, yeah. we'll get onto those other moments in due course. Um, so, getting back to the uh, story, we've we've seen the demise of, of Jim, and and you know Jill wakes up and then discovers he's the grisly scene in, in the ship. Yeah, that's quite horrific. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and so we're kind of. What was set up to be this, as you, as you quite rightly pointed out, mm. this hero sure, yeah. character, he's mm. he's gone within moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, and then we go to this, uh, you know, the um, the the, the uh, we see uh, Jim's coffin being buried, Jill standing by the grave, uh, and on the hill in the distance is a small group of those Hittites, uh, including Zaya, who watch on.
1: And she yells at them or something. Does she? No, I'm thinking, no, 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 no. I'm just, thinking another um, film. Sorry, I just I look at them
0: and mm. uh, the great dicker kind of goes, Oh, they always do that for their own kind. Right? Um, oh, do we clear? I don't think he talks like that, it's just me. Um,
1: they're all from Somerset.
0: Two young girls, uh, Lana and Nikki, uh, friends of Jill, decide to pay her a visit. That's oh, right, the best oh, mate. Say by Sharon Stone.
1: Sharon Stone, a young Sharon Stone. A young Sharon Stone in
0: that first ever speaking role.
1: And the third one wasn't a redhead. No, there were
0: two blondes. Blondes, yeah. Darkheads.
1: Do you think they would do the redhead, blonde, brunette thing? Was that a thing back then, then? I don't know. It's in my head. (laughs) It's my thing. Sure thing. But yeah, is this Sharon Stone's first film?
0: Not her first film. Her first film with a speaking role. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah they turn up to kind of pay a visit and help out uh, William and a group of kids that so William just reminds you thank you mm-hmm. um, and a bunch of kids break into the shed mm-hmm.
1: uh-huh.
0: uh, Faith's mother um, also uh, drops by Jill's house um, and she appears to be overtly flirtatious again with everyone that she talks to which is yeah. interesting yeah <laughs> um, Jill goes to investigate a noise coming from the shed and I would find the kids escape out of the window. William hides in the shadows and watches her. Uh, That's right. Then Lana and Nicky turn up. As I mentioned, they were on the way and now, now they're here. Uh, <laughs> at which point, as William tries to escape from the shed, he loses his shoe. That's uh, right. Mm-hmm. And we also learn that uh, Jim left the Hettites to go to school and was banished when Jill came back with him. So a bit more history about... With the background of the characters there. Right. Mm-hmm. Jill asks her friends to stay with her, uh, and then William's father chides him for losing his shoe. That's so right. So that William goes back to find it. Um, it's
1: sort of like a mortal sin or.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Shoes don't grow in trees or something like that. Yeah. They, do. they do
0: grow in trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lana goes to bed, so Shark Chan's son goes mm-hmm. to bed, and sees a spider crawling her along the ceiling. She feels a bit scared. <laughs> William walks up to the house at this point and he spies on, spies on Jill why do you keep Jill it's not Jill, that name's Martha i to make sure I scrap that Martha <laughs> uh, he yeah, spies on Martha through the uh, bedroom window as she undresses it is then he finds an unsheathed scabbard before he is then stabbed in the back and killed
1: oh that's right yeah
0: the young man assailant watches Jill go to bed Oh, uh,
1: Jill. Keep saying Jill. Martha. That name's Martha, isn't it? Is
0: Martha the wife? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to have to make sure I go back over that stuff. You'll hear it go... Boop! Martha. A voice. Like Martha. Voice its voice. Can you get your wife to say it?
1: Just to say, Martha. <laughs> go ahead.
0: So the other in the saying watches Martha go to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, Isaiah and Matthew... Uh, so that's William's father. Turn up at Martha's house inquiring about William's disappearance. Uh, Isaiah warns Matthew that Martha is an allegiance to the incubus.
1: Ah, uh, yep. yep mm-hmm.
0: And Isaiah wants to land back from Martha. It was there to begin with the, the
1: because there was a the son. son. Yes, that's right. Yeah.
0: The girls talk over breakfast. Lana talks of a nightmare that she had of a creepy man who became a spider.
1: I remember this, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, Nikki pulls the curtain back and Faith is standing at the window.
1: Yes, Faith from the beginning of the movie. Was the uh, the guy? This is Incubus, who the guy sells Incubus.
0: Faith comes into the house but appears a bit creepy and overbearing. She offers
1: him, was this the egg thing? Yeah, yeah. She offers him a basket of eggs. Yes. And if Paul can't answer this next question, this podcast will stop here and then. She says to them, I candled them. Paul, what does that mean?
0: Candled them?
1: Candled the eggs.
0: I've never heard... I didn't even pick that up either. I've never heard... There's a
1: the big thing about that character Paul didn't pick up what later expression? on. She... she candled them so they're safe to eat. When you a bird lays an egg...
0: Yeah. So you're, you're a bird person. <laughs> I'm not a bird person. <laughs>
1: Basic knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> when, a bird lays well, yeah, when a bird lays an egg, um, you candle them, and if you can see through them, they are safe to eat because there's no, it's not been fertilized, there's no growing little bird in
0: there. Oh, okay.
1: uh, if you can't see through them or if you see red veins, then it's actually incubating a little baby chick. Okay. And you can still eat them, but it's kind of disgusting. Yeah. Because you're committing murder. So she candles them because they're the ones to safe to eat.
0: Okay, so you know that from your knowledge of rearing birds, right? Yes, <laughs> it's not something that your average punter will pick up on. But you, to go back to what you, mm. the reason why you brought it into the conversation is that you're inferring that this is, and a bit of a spoiler alert, if not, why the hell are you listening to this podcast? <laughs> um, to do with the character fate.
1: Yes. Yes, completely. So, basically, she candled the egg. So, you hold, if you want to do it at home, just hold a candle up to an egg. With a chicken egg, you might need a torch, because they're quite big eggs. Yeah. Because uh, it's something you do for little bird eggs when you breed canaries and budgies and stuff. But yes, there you go. I thought that was an interesting thing to say.
0: No, that's... It's, yeah. it's in- incredibly relevant. And, and I nice. you brought it to the equation. And I'm sorry that I was saying so not to pick up on
1: that. Hey, you're not like my friend Lillian Wang, who thought that eggs got pregnant when... Eggs got pregnant. When the male bird, to use her, quote-unquote, jizzed all over the eggs. (laughs) I swear to God. She's like 25. I know. know. Um. That's defamation, isn't it? But fucking funny. (laughs) Hashtag. Okay, so, yeah, so that's what she says. Okay, cool.
0: Okay, yeah. Alright, so then going back to the, the story, the, the journey, mm-hmm. uh, we have Nikki now, who's one, again, remind you, is one of the friends, Here she goes off jogging the next day, she comes across a savage dog, and then maces it in the face. <laughs> Fuck you! Um, a kind of interesting point with this, and I, I think why I left that in the notes, is mm-hmm. because at the moment, dogs seem to be a big theme with Craven with la, um, not the last house, the other one, the Hills of Eyes, mm-hmm. and being the protector, and now they're deemed as a bit of a
1: oh the, the flip. other flip yeah yeah
0: yeah I don't know and I I did a bit of a review on Cujo as well um, yep. as a as a thing that I don't know we'll wait and see if it continues to be a theme or not within his work but I found that Good interesting one. in this instance um, did you then, then, like did you like Kijo? just very quickly oh yeah no <laughs> I I it, to me it's it. It would serve as a short film really well. Right, right. But to drag it out into a feature, it really kind of felt like you were draining the hills a bit. Right. Uh, I thought Dee Wallace was great then. Yeah. Like, she held her own, considering how much it relied on her performance. Um, but the rest of it was, yeah, a bit mediocre.
1: I remember when it came out in Australia, it was the big horror film that...
0: I do too I'm a huge certainly. Stephen King fan like, yeah. I pretty much I've read most of his books particularly his earlier stuff
1: was it um, set in Australia? no, no. There? I'm thinking no there's one about a pig a wild boar babe? yeah that's it <laughs> kids it <been> heavily <laughs> oh well, I don't know that
0: one that's interesting Just the Australians
1: Razorback <laughs> or something like that
0: oh I didn't know that no. anyway back to the thing okay so uh, so Nikki meets John uh, who uh, just reminded me the younger father. brother yeah.
1: and he's you got the feeling he's a bit conflicted yes incredibly conflicted
0: yeah. maybe walk in the same uh, line as his brother did
1: well he meets a woman with breasts and everything yeah, and like, oh my
0: god with a British. yeah um, and they talk about Jim um, who didn't have breasts mm. and the tyrant's preaching of Isaiah uh, and a kinship is formed between the two um Isaiah then turns up and this is where he kind of does a bit of rant says we are the kindred of God we have no business with the serpents and he also chides John for his strange ways. Um, we then go to uh, Lana, shown stone. The, the barn door shuts despite her wedding it open and she becomes trapped within. All the shutters start closing. This is quite a good scene, this bit.
1: This is pretty scary too. Yeah. Mm. Um, she, uh, good use of
0: shadows. That's right, yeah. Mm. The barn door, uh, so I said, the shut. She's stuck inside. Uh, she climbs up into the attic and finds William Shoe. Um, someone jumps out at her, and Lana falls down. When all of a sudden, William's hanging corpse drops down in front of her, um, and it turns out to be William, the body yeah. of William. Yeah. So all this stuff there was—it was a lot more drawn out than what it I was. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was a lot of stuff we kind of stuff in the spider thing. Came I remember that? Yeah. And, mm. Yeah. So there's a there's a lot of stuff playing on True, right. at that point. Um, and uh, so Isaiah and the Hattites come along to collect William's body. Uh, the sheriff turns out and he advises them all to leave. Not the Hedites as in... Uh, the three women. And the two women. Mm-hmm. Um, later that night, Martha takes bath, and as she does so, someone sneaks into the house. They throw a snake into the bathroom uh, which then finds its way into the bar. And there's then a, a, a shot here, similar to uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street, that occurs, Yes, where, I was noticing a few things. Uh, with the, the shot in, in question that I'm referring to from A Nightmare is where the Freddy's glove comes up between the legs. legs of Martha. Uh, and in this instance, yeah. we have a snake head come up in between Martha's legs. bit more... The, it was. It
1: was the hand between Nancy's legs. Nancy's, Yeah, leg. Nancy's. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um... So then, uh, Martha manages to get out of the bar, she clubs the snake to death with a fire poker. Meanwhile, at a religious ceremony, Isaiah continues to preach. He wants to know who snuck into the shed with William, and a boy dogs, dogs in Leopold, another boy. Isaiah calls Leopold forward, and uh, the boy in question receives a caning.
1: Right, am I rogering?
0: No, no, a caning. Roger, he pulled his pants out. Uh, Mickey sees John in the shop in the next scene. Uh, and then Melissa, who is John's betrothed, sees them flirting she runs off and John follows he swears that he won't talk to Nicky again and then he tries to force himself on Melissa, who <laughs> then runs off that's right, because he's just so horny he is a horny boy uh, Martha and Nicky then do a bit of gunfire shooting practice Nicky is shit at it but then when Martha has to go, naturally she's a crack shot
1: Nice. This is, yeah. did somebody teach her? I can't remember now.
0: don't no. I just thought she just picked it up and just shot and she just happened to be gifted. Oh, fair enough. Do you want to talk about how easy that is to
1: be gifted as a like somebody shoots a gun to somebody who has shot a gun and is really crap at it? <laughs> I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Well
0: no, that's the case in point. You don't is it is that a thing? Can somebody um, pick up yeah, a gun and
1: be yeah. a natural it? Do you remember the who's the primary producer we worked with that used to work as freelancer with Air Fifty One that, that Ralphie that liked? Um, English guy glasses but he's a primary producer Stephen
0: Hancock Stephen Hancock yeah
1: uh, he and I did he didn't he wear glasses doesn't
0: he wear glasses I didn't think he did
1: but carry on no I'm, I'm thinking because he wore safety glasses we went to a shooting range in Queensland oh, wearing... yeah. with him and um, the presenter I saw the results Cameron, no. of that what the shooting yeah yeah, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and Stephen was a dead eye like yeah, he was yeah. like don't Truck with him with a gun. Like see there's so so English about it, going, "Yeah, oh, I don't know what to do." Yeah. And next thing, bang, 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 eight shots in the, in the center. And you're like, fucking hell. <laughs> and I had trouble hitting the thing. So yeah, if stephen has got a gun and he's mad, um, yeah, don't, don't run the other thing. way. Yeah. So it can be yeah, because he'd never held a gun before, and I was like, "This is embarrassing." <laughs> so yes, it can That's be fun. yes. Okay, cool. Just
0: want you to know, curious. Mm. Okay, so. um, uh, so then we go back to Isaiah and she, he witnesses Melissa coming back looking uh, a bit disheveled he gives John a lecture and starts to cane him but John fights back preventing he him holds Isaiah the bounces John from the parish uh, then Louisa so that's again the, the horny mother pays uh, Martha a visit and uh, John at the same time catches up with Nikki as she leaves the cinema which coincidentally is showing Summer of Fear I don't know if you noticed that on the uh, billboards which is Wes Craven's film that we spoke about you... oh I that one. Oh yeah I
1: didn't notice that oh okay yeah.
0: uh, Nikki offers to go for a drive with John to talk uh, yeah, Lana will
1: gonna do it.
0: <laughs> Lana then wakes up in a trance uh, and her head is being is, her head sorry is being held down as she opens her mouth a spider drops into her mouth and she wakes up coughing
1: that really happens, by the way. Yeah, it does. Australians, Australians, I don't know if anybody oversees, but Australians will most likely swallow eight to ten bugs in their lifetime.
0: At uh, night. No, not yet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which is why when you, when, you. You, when you take a shit in the morning, there's just legs in your poo.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, no, in your lifetime. You'll swallow about half a dozen yeah, to a dozen. Yeah,
0: well, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, See, isn't that great that Paul English like is now that, so acclimatized? He's like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah,
0: yeah, and drop bear. That, yeah, that oh every yeah. time you fall asleep in the woods, don't fall asleep in the woods. Swallow a bear that drops. You
1: always got to take an umbrella with you in the woods even if it's dry. Yeah, um, with the caveat that that's an umbrella you don't want to hold on to because of course because it's going to get treaded, yeah, But yeah, it true. does. Um, but they still teach that in schools. The umbrella, umbrella, like, umbrella defense against right. drop bears.
0: Yeah, no that I thought you never
1: you you never learned, you, you no, never learned, never learned it. School. But when you got your citizenship they, that was part of the thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, that you had to learn that top notes other than topway defence. because yeah, your kids came home from school that day and I showed you. That's,
0: yeah. Right. that's right. You're right. Yeah, that's right. You did a
1: demonstration of it. So that's that's the thing.
0: Good. Yeah. Anyway, so we have uh, cut back to <laughs> the film again. Um so, uh, where are we up to? So, uh, John has a go at driving the car, so he's out on this kind of. Yes, because that's a big thing for him. Nick, uh, Nicky, mm-hmm. um, and he narrowly he uh, misses hitting the tree. Um, they make out, and then we cut to Melissa, so that's John's betrothed waking up, saying John's name. She fetches a knife and then heads out into the woods. What a bit weird.
1: Oh, um, she's in the nightgown or something. Yeah, yeah,
0: John and Nikki, meanwhile, are back in the car. Uh, they hear a noise coming from the woods, and despite checking outside, John finds nothing. He climbs back in the car and continues to make out with Nikki. <laughs> Suddenly, a knife comes through the roof of the car, stabbing and killing John. Out. Petrol is poured over the car, and Nikki tries to drive the car away. Someone lights the trail of petrol, which leaks its way into the car. Nikki tries to make an escape, but the car blows up with her inside. Damn. I think I can't I didn't write it down I said Bamba I didn't write it down there was something funny about her last line I thought oh I can't remember she just kind of says something like oh shit or but like oh no honestly couldn't remember I just thought anyway <laughs> you'd roll out wouldn't you yeah that was a big thing it's the whole Charlie's Theron run, run. away in <laughs> a different direction <laughs> what the spaceship is going to crush you to do yeah
1: um, so, here's the thing though if you ran uh, like if you're like say you next to a building that's collapsing yeah would you have the weather all would you, would you? Would your senses be overwhelmed with the fact that holy fuck, a building is falling on me? Just run, yeah. And that's all you'd think, or would you? Would do you think? I mean, it's an honest question. I honestly don't know, but would you have the weather all to, to to know? Shit. Okay, run left. Run right. I'm not going to run straight ahead. I don't
0: think you. Run, I don't think you know which direction to run. Yeah, because it's you. Because your you sense of perspective. At what point? Yeah, where the building is going to fall. Because so it doesn't run.
1: Yeah, that's it. I think and. In defense of Charlie Theron's character, yeah. is that what happened? Because your just perspective is so warped because the things take out all your field of vision.
0: Yeah, sure. And
1: it's moving slowly, so you're thinking, okay, I, I know it's going to crush me, but it's moving slowly, I just panic and run. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um, I don't know. It's a classic thing, like, you, you can train all your life to know what to do when you, with a shark if you're a scuba diver, and the first time you see a shark, you just might just lose your shit or well, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And those are people who are trained for it. We don't train for a building, for building falling on top of you. We don't train for many things. I know, not not
0: that. But I I was always curious about that. Don't train for multiple hot dog consumption. Yeah. True. Drop bears. Drop bears. Don't forget drop
1: bears. Hashtag drop bears. Um, So, yeah. She's
0: dead. She's dead. She's
1: dead. Sharon Stone's not dead yet. Sharon
0: Stone's not dead. So we go back to her and she pours herself a glass of milk, but blood pours out instead. Lana starts to lose her mind. That's
1: expiration there. She
0: spoke though. to me in a dream. Yeah. Dreams are a big thing with Wes Craven, as you know.
1: Have you heard of that film, Nightmare on Elm Street? No, me neither. We'll talk
0: about that. Do i call something? Um, Jill opens a door to see a scarecrow staring down at her. Scarecrows are a f- scary thing, not just for birds. But
1: yeah, they're, they're iconically. Then they're, they're the, I've seen the film Husk, which is a recent film. Yeah. Uh, Jeepers Creepers, which is a yeah, great yeah, yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was, yeah, he's a scarecrow in that. That's right. Um,
0: there are many things that have used it, um, you know, uh, as the film Scarecrow as well. <laughs> um, What's that about? Uh, cheese. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyway, I just found out interesting as a as a point, but this scarecrow in question. That's, uh, it's it's not well, alive. It's it's uh, dormant. Um <laughs> it's like so not It's Not a scarecrow, um, but it's wearing Jim's clothes that he was buried in. Uh, which is an indication that he's been buried up. So Jim, Jill, sorry, Martha then goes to um, Jim's grave to find it freshly dug up. Um, but there's nothing in the coffin except a load of chickens. So <laughs> there's no one here except us chickens.
1: Is there a coffin? No, nah, just a load of chickens. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sort
0: of a, uh, Martha then goes to Faith's studio and finds uh, a painting, a pillow in there. Um, she
1: also discovers Jim's body. Oh, that's... Yeah, so this... Okay, who's... who's yeah, yeah. Faith. Faith, yeah, the She's flirty her. mother.
0: Faith, Faith,
1: Faith. Th- that's the flirty mother, right?
0: No. No. Louise is the flirty mother. Okay. okay. Faith, Faith is, is the kid. kid. Faith is the kid. Yes, right.
1: sorry. Faith is um, Candle Girl.
0: Mar- Mar- Candle Girl. Martha sees Melissa roaming and ranting outside, and Louise comes out and attacks Melissa. So the mother comes out and attacks Melissa. Yes. Faith... Then uh, gets attacked by Martha. <laughs> oh, sorry, no, sorry, sorry. Faith then attacks Martha, who defends herself by hitting Faith over the head. And it's uh, then we learn that Faith is completely infatuated with Martha and is, in fact, a boom, 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 a guy. Something. It, just, uh,
1: Something that went over the head of a certain film reviewer. <laughs> 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 The actual guy who set up this podcast and was actually a fan of the guy's work hit me with the quote, what the fuck are you talking about? When I started talking <laughs> about transgendered, blah, blah. And it's like... Totally missed that. Completely missed It's It's an effect that, admittedly, I don't know if that was for the rating, but it was just shot really badly. Yeah. But she rips open face top blouse.
0: Yeah.
1: And Paul's <laughs> just like... It's just flat-chested. But there's
0: I hair. There's, there's body hair. I didn't see the body hair, yeah. I admit. I and it was, it was poorly shot. Was flat flash flat chested thank you Um, so yeah totally missed that
1: but as as but, but is Craven really known for the nudity? Apart from obviously the Last House and Left, I'm guessing it had a bit of nudity in it. Uh, that had
0: nudity in it, but no.
1: Yeah, see, it, yeah. For me, it was it was odd because it looked like a prosthetic, which it was. It was a prosthetic yeah, to yeah. make her flat chested, and it had hair. But you had to, yeah. If you blinked, you missed it because it was really poorly shot. Yeah, I, didn't, I
0: honestly didn't pick that
1: up. Obviously, you went back and went, oh no. makes a sense. But yeah, that's the only time it's referred to openly. Too. Yes. Yes.
0: That's right.
1: So basically, Faith is a guy.
0: Faith is a guy. Yeah. And that makes sense why she's been fighting with these feelings towards Martha, trying to resist it because her mother is saying that she's a a girl, Mm. when deep down she's a guy. Yes. Um, So, what I'm saying, so uh, Martha gets back to her house, but someone tries to break in through the front door. Martha shoots at it. She then tries to call the police, but then Faith smashes and opens the door. Martha shoots Faith, to the ground and they're quite I seem to remember kickback she kind of was like yeah yeah,
1: the classic cable yeah that's
0: right effect Um, Louisa then opens the front door brandishing a shotgun she fires and misses a fight breaks out between the two and just as Louisa raises a candlestick to crash over Jill's head Martha opens up and shoots killing Louisa yes Uh, Martha then finds blood on the floor and then sees Melissa so just to remind you that's John's betrothed, the one roaming around yep. in a nightie... With a knife. Uh, she's standing there in the doorway with a knife. All of a sudden, Faith comes at Martha with a knife, but Melissa turns up and stabs and kills Faith. Isaiah then appears at the doorway and tells of how the message of the incubus is dead. The next scene is daytime, and Lana leaves escorted by the sheriff. Martha has chosen to stay. She goes back to the house... And when all goes dark, Jim's ghostly spirit appears hmm. and says, "Beware the incubus!" And then he fades. The house shakes, and a demon-like creature rips through the floor, pulling Martha into the ground. The light returns, and like so, the floor walls back to normal. We hear Isaiah's narration at the end about the evil of the incubus, with closed credits. So that ending.
1: The seed of that, obviously, comes up later on. Yeah. In his body of work. Yes. It's a very Wes Craven move.
0: It is. And we'll talk about that particular ending in a bit. Uh, I think towards the end. So hmm. um, let's uh, we've kind of talked through the the body of the piece. Let's uh, let's take a quick look at the the characters, of the actors that play them. Say a few thoughts about good shit. <makes> Mm-hmm. Uh, around. So, the lead is Martha, played by Marian Jensen. Now, she was known playing Athena from the original Battlestar. Yes.
1: She was one of those famous 80s faces, that girl. Yeah. Yeah, she's pop TV, loved did a lot of TV shows. But...
0: I often got her confused with whoever the lady was that played the lead in uh, Buck Rogers, though.
1: Wilma, the woman played. Yeah. Erin Gray. Erin
0: Gray, thank you. Oh, okay. So uh, I, not because they look alike, it I think, alike. I think I just confused both.
1: They were part of that that, that television does like the television company that dominated a lot of American productions. Yeah. But yeah, no, she's a classic ladies Oh, that girl. Yeah, that's
0: right. She she also appeared in uh Love uh, for a period of time, and uh, beyond the reef, her career was cut short by illness after she contracted Epstein-Barr syndrome. Um, because I did think, like, until I was looking up uh, stuff about her, I was like, oh, I What happened to her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Battlestar was such a huge vehicle, Dun, da, 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 and da, da, if that she would have gone on to bigger and better things. But this deadly blessing would have been her final uh, movie appearance.
1: It lies dormant until stress or illness upsets the immune system. It's like glandular fever. It causes a glandular fear. That's probably what it to uh, out. Right. So you probably caught that on top of that.
0: Oh, there you go. Okay. So then, obviously, uh, we need to talk about Sharon Stone. Uh, she? plays Lana Marcus. Uh, first speaking role in the movie, as we said, at the head. Uh, after playing roles in Rent and Steel, Madam P.I. and T.J. Hooker, she would feature as Jessie Huston in movies King Solomon's Mines and Alan Quatermain and the Lost City of Gold. Uh, she appeared in Police Academy 4, Citizens and Patrol. Seriously? Yeah... <laughs> Uh, eventually, she would take on the role of Laurie in Total Recall. Um, she was starring. He said, she said before turning heads in Basic. The most famous role she's known for. Yeah, um, Sharon Stone was also starring Last Action Hero, Intersection, The Specialist. To the she had a cameo Dead. in the Last Action Hero. yes she was good. In the Dead was good. Yeah, it was. I enjoyed that. Sound Yeah, it was. Yeah, and um, was... the highlight of her career was as Ginger McKenna in Casino.
1: I have not seen Casino because it's a gangster film. You know, I don't do those.
0: You're dead to
1: me. Have you heard of this thing called the Godfather?
0: No. Maybe not, because uh, um, she's very
1: good in that, I have to admit. Uh, did you know there was a basic instinct too? Because I yes. totally missed that. I didn't know that. But is
0: she in it? Yeah. And he's in
1: it too, again, isn't he? The no, Baldwin. No, see? somebody else, yeah. Friday, Baldwin was was, was sliver, wasn't he? Baldwin. The... Baldwin was sliver. Yeah, yeah, I never saw basic instinct. I saw the uh, scene. So in
0: this movie, yeah. Um, you do get the impression that she, if you kind of, I mean, she looks very young in this. Yeah, she can tell. You can see she see she, was she was a model. Yeah, she came.
1: Yeah, she came across as a model but trying to be an actor. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah exactly. Uh, but interestingly, the attention arguably is more focused on Susan. Bre- uh, Susan. But- she kind of has something more substantial uh, to yeah, do. Yeah, this character. Yeah. So, um, which again, like she like she was known um as playing croftette one of the croftettes in the Brady Bunch variety Hour. okay um but it, like weirdly I saw this and went huh um, mm-hmm. she was more known for playing Paddy Simcox in Greece. oh really Which, like, I mean obviously she's really dolled up to look kind of nerdy with the big glasses yeah. and, and all that stuff but yeah that's her um but like, uh, Marin, um, she disappeared from the scene after deadly blessing. Not due to illness, just, Just uh, had enough. Yeah, it wasn't... Was There's it a lot, a
1: lot of actresses out there, actors. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of actresses too, I guess, who just say, not, nah, turn their back on Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: Which for me, as a would-be horror film director, would want me to entice them back into the fold.
1: <coughs> i get anything else if they're good, yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. Got screen testing.
1: Um, Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> so, uh, so then let's. Uh, I mean, they're they both those uh, characters, Lana and, and Vicky, are there to kind of, are there for the support role essentially? To yeah,
1: looking at a female, yeah, 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 yeah it's horror film.
0: Um, I did question, like, I did find her death scene a bit. Uh, yeah, sorry. yeah, it was a bit. But that side, um, all good. So, Jeff East, uh, who plays John Schmidt, we've seen him before, if if, if I can remind you, in Summer of Fear and Uh um, in our (laughs) our first stadium and early years discussions, uh, he was the brother. Uh, As mentioned, he also appeared in Huckberry Finn, uh, in the Tom Sawyer and Huck movies. Played the young Clark Kent, as we discussed, in Superman. Oh, is that him? Yeah, yeah. with the black hair. Oh, That's I thought his face looked familiar. And starred in... You said the same thing about, in the Summer of Fear discussion. Did I? Yeah. Oh, my um, God. And he also starred... Is that him? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and also starred as Chris in the Pumpkin Head series, as well, the standards. See, with the
1: blonde hair, he looks like, Will, uh, you know, the greatest American hero. Believe it or not, uh, that guy.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Hinkley. No idea he's on that. I'm just going to agree. Yeah, well, you just think Grey's American era, right? Believe it or not, oh, I'm flying on air, walk, walking on air. <laughs> oh, Sophie, yeah. the, the guy with the blonde hair. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I confuse those two, because they're about the same era. No, yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I get it, too. Yeah. I actually
0: liked him in this movie. I have to admit... I, At least he had something to do. I, exactly. And really I liked, too. I mean, because he's conflicted as yeah. well. Yeah. And, I, and I found there was something interesting about that character actors love that shit particularly the bit exactly mm-hmm. and particularly the bit where he, he uh, forces him himself or tries to force himself on Melissa's character because mm. um, that think for me just highlighted how repressed he is yeah um, and yeah I thought, I thought he was good and of course you know when you're uh, leaning towards uh, the sinful act of sex you have to be killed so it had to be done
1: yeah, is that rule? Was that rule? Who? Which filmmaker kind of established that rule? Friday the
0: Thirteenth. It
1: was Friday the Thirteenth. It was that was, yeah. a, that was the first one
0: based on what happens in Halloween.
1: Ah, okay. So it John kind of started.
0: No, it. Friday the Thirteenth did it. Halloween, Halloween had the
1: whole the prototype version was yeah, for John. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. But Victor Miller who wrote Friday the Thirteenth. Went to watch Halloween. I went alright that's these are the rules that you need for a horror movie yeah. and then wrote Friday the 13th mm-hmm. uh, and then the rest is history when it comes to the how mm. you should not have sex <laughs> yeah um, so let's talk about uh, Melissa so played by Colleen Riley purely because uh, she of sorts is another Craven uh, regular we will see her again in the Hills of Eyes part 2 playing the character of Jane she also appeared in a movie called Space Invaders what's that one? uh I think it's a film... <laughs> well done. ...about, uh... Space Invaders? Martians... That sounds familiar. Martians that land, um, on Earth at the same time as the Awesome Wells uh, radio broadcast of what World of Worlds happens. Okay. I think that's the movie, from memory. Okay. Okay, Doug Spar, who plays Jim Schmidt, um, we've already said he's played Howie Munson from The Fall Guy, and not no, Mark no. Hazard.
1: Someone in Stucerpazard, but he looks a lot like the guy.
0: Um... But yeah, the full guy, um, and he's not the guy. so basically the full guy. So we're not talking about the Lee Major's character. He was like the sidekick character in mm-hmm. that. Uh, Juice of Hazard, no, definitely not. Um, he's not in it very long. We kind of he sets himself up as the all-American kind of guy. He gets cut off very early. Uh, then we go. Let's talk. Turn our attention to Lisa Hartman, who plays Faith Stoller. Mm-hmm. She would appear in Love Boat, Fancy Island, T.J. Hooker, and Knots Landing. As a massive aside, whenever I think of King's Landing or when King's Landing is mentioned in Game of Thrones, I always think of Knot's Landing. I cannot <laughs> separate the
1: two. And you hear the theme song
0: every time they go to King's Landing. I do. I'm, like, I'm, like, you know, I'm just like, oh, my God, get half of my head. Uh, so it kind of uh, destroys the myth of Knot's Landing with me or the legend of Knot's Landing. Within, um, King's Landing. King's Landing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the two all the time. Uh, what do you think of, uh, of the character of Faith in this? So There's a big, a big ask to try and be portraying somebody that's a guy that's supposed she, to be a woman.
1: Not at all transgender in the slightest, but at
0: the same time, no, what the hell does how that mean? You get away with that kind yeah. of stuff. And that but also, yeah, but first... that a lot more in recent territory with the stuff like, you know, yeah. uh, the the Danish girl.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what I'm saying. He's like... That's a tricky line, isn't it? Because, like, all well, trans... You know, what it is Transgender it's just a yeah. male and female's body. We, we live in Sydney. One of the transgender capitals of the world. Yeah, um, that's it. Um, i know a few of them myself. It, look, you know, it's a very tricky political area. Yeah. But as a misdirect, because that wasn't as big a thing yeah. back then, um, sure, but the reveal, as we've just established, was so piss-weak, it, a lot of people missed it. So it's yeah. kind of a weird, weird, weird thing. So best to stay clear because it's a political minefield. I agree. But I, agree um, I thought it was weak because purely because people missed it. Like me? Hey,
0: yeah, that's the big twisted. Right. No, yeah. I did. I completely missed that. But you know, mm. it was all good. Um, but what, on, in hindsight, when you look back, uh, when you look back at it, I, I kind of did think to myself, um, actually, that was actually that was actually quite a good premise of a story Mm. I just think maybe the execution wasn't pulled off as as well as it could have been yes Um, so yeah all good all good In that respect and then we have okay then we have um, Louisa Stoller the mother played by uh, Lois Nettleton she would star as Lucille Ballard in the TV movie adaptation of Meet Me in St. Louis mm. uh, The Twilight Zone The Advocate for Kaua, Dr. Kildare Bonanza Lady Macbeth in the TV movie of Macbeth amongst a whole load of TV shows such as Babylon 5 and Seinfeld in more recent history oh really um, it's,
1: still, it's still working
0: yeah yeah.
1: oh there you go
0: so um a, a huge I uh, made this TV work um and plays that kind of like, you know, the, again, it's very much about sex and repesh- sexual oppression. It's mm. a big feeling that's mm. uh, rolling through this movie. Um, and you get that feeling that she's the trapped kind of housewife.
1: Yeah, she was like a porn cliche. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um, she just wants to have sex. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, uh, and of course, because of that, has to get her comeuppance. Mm. Uh, We're well, skirting around the, 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 the big uh, white elephant in the room, though, is in the, uh, Isaiah Schmidt, played by mm-hmm. Ernest Orton. My... Um, I'm going to literally... So this is a list, and I apologise, because mm-hmm. he's so big on the, on the Hollywood film circuit. Um, he probably came to attention more so playing Sergeant Fatso Johnson in From Here to Eternity, uh, crop up in Vera Cruz, Big Day at Black Rock, uh, the played the title of role in Marty was uh, in the Vikings not the TV series that we all know now the uh, one back in the 1970s I think um, the flight the original Flight of the Phoenix um, ah, good movie. played the Lieutenant Commander Quinton McHale in the TV series McHale's name yes. General Warden in the Dirty Dozen mm-hmm. uh, Boris Yask- uh, sorry Boris Baslov in Ice Station Zebra played Dutch Storm in the Wild Bunch uh was in Willard, uh, played rog- Joe in The Poseidon Adventure, was in Conroy, played Harry Booth in The Black Hole, which to me is still one of the <sighs> biggest sci-fi films ever.
1: Has, the, the, I think, one of the most iconic um, shots, clever shots in all sci-fi history, which is that meteor barreling down the spaceship and the people running across the foreground. Yeah. The sense of scale and the detail, and it's just epic in nature and just... Well, the sense of danger—it has a one shot, yeah. and it just looks good.
0: It's, yeah, it's, it's really—I still really
1: shot. like that movie. Yeah. I, I one of the few people like the movie too because I thought Vincent was really cool. Yeah,
0: yeah, and
1: yeah. And everybody hated him. <laughs> the filmmakers hated him. It just it was not because it was, he was—he was because he was supposed to be a very different-looking robot. Yeah. but I thought Vincent and Bob were funny. I yeah, they, I, I did. They were so. a cool double act. Yeah, I liked it. I yeah. liked it.
0: Um, he was also uh, importantly in uh, played the role of Cabby in John Carpenter's Escape from New York. Yes, yes, yes. Um, which we definitely will want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, he appeared in Airwolf, uh, and then uh, more recently cropped up in Gattaca, the sci-fi movie. Oh, okay. Uh, and did the, uh, supplied the voices of uh, Kip Killigan. I'm going to try and pronounce that right in uh, Small Soldiers. Yeah. okay. Uh, And also provided the voice of Mermaid Man in SpongeBob SquarePants. (laughs) Oh, really? For quite a period of time. Uh, Interesting one, this one, too, because he is the... He is the... uh, The... uh, Preacher who's... uh, A a very stereotypical role that he's playing within this. Yeah, that... And the weird thing is is that his prophecies come true in the end.
1: Well, that's the... The thing with these films, you have the the uptight tyrannical, conservative nut job yeah. who happens to be right.
0: Yeah.
1: Seems to work in these films.
0: Yeah,
1: um, which is an interesting dichotomy with films and reality, I guess. Yeah,
0: yeah. The
1: nut job is always right. Um, yeah. You know, uh, if I lived in a film universe, I'd be pro-gun <laughs> because in the <laughs> film universe, people turn into zombies and bad shit. Atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real life. Anti-gum, so it's like this: pro-life, real-life. They are nutbags and nothing more. In film universe, listen to what they have to say. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. So, yeah, he comes across as a well. It's, it's also about you know the snake eats tail thing. He brings these boys portrayed him and kind of basically set in motion these actions that he was he was, uh, dreading yeah. because he was trying to stop them from leading a life that was going to lead to these actions that that dread because he's such a he can't live with him. He's unbearable, yeah. and of course. Your kids are going to rebel when you're that fucking uptight about certain things and of course causing the very thing that you're trying to avoid.
0: That's right.
1: Which is an interesting um, uh, conundrum that a lot of these sort of characters find themselves in a lot of films because that's how you start the drama. <laughs> yeah. And
0: yeah.
1: yeah. yeah, he does it well. Like, you know, he, you believe him.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, no, he's incredibly believable and hands up every scene that he's in. Mm. And you can tell that he's a seasoned veteran. Yeah. Um, you know, doing what... Doing it for the money. Yeah. Um, the last character uh, I want to talk about is William Blunt, played by Michael Berryman, purely because he's another Craven regular. He was the face of The Hills of Eyes and The Hills of Eyes Part Two as the character Pluto. Mm-hmm. He would also star in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Mm-hmm. Uh, another voice Craven Vehicle Invitation to Hell. Uh, he would be in Weird Science. Um, he was in. He played a staff The,
1: the gu- Oh, we talked about this. The, yeah, because he's featured in another film. But really weird science. He had the line, "Let's do lunch." Mm. Yeah, 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 which back in the '80s was um, this year's. This is equivalent to a friend you on Facebook. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. it was very funny. Ha ha ha. <laughs> um, and then yeah, Star Trek. He played.
0: He was a Starfleet display officer in Star Trek for the Voyage Home. He also cropped up in um, yeah. uh, the Tales from the Crypt TV series, playing a character called Rupert Van Helsing. Oh. He also in the X Files at some point, and would feature in the Lords of Salem.
1: I recently. People. saw trying to around to seeing the miniseries the X-Files miniseries that came out recently
0: oh uh, I haven't watched all of that
1: yet yeah I, um, all I got all I got was like how much was David Duchovny Deca- phoney in
0: <laughs>
1: he was like I, know, I mean like Mulder's supposed to be this relatively l- l- laconic dead yeah, yeah, guy because yeah, he's yeah. supposed to be even tempted amongst, amongst all the surrounding insanity but, fuck me, he's just seventy <laughs> so years old going just going through his lines. <laughs> uh, Bringing it through. Simical you know, money-making exercise. I see. Because this is like the third X-Files relaunch, so don't forget. People think, oh yeah. my God, they're back. Well, they've, they've been back before and back before that. And then in the movies. Um...
0: There's a lot. I, um, I We're going off track, but I, there's a lot I forgot about the
1: X Files. Well, the problem with the X Files last two three seasons, it would like it lost a huge chunk of its yeah. audience because he left. Yeah. And then apparently it went off the rails big time storytelling wise because the stories just made no sense and they yeah. just it in. So there's a whole bunch of characters. The whole problem with the reboot was that there's a whole lot of shit that went on that, like I mean, for me, I was like, I can't believe they still haven't. Like she still doesn't believe. She still keeps turning her back when the UFO fucking turns up. But he like, really. <laughs> after all that's gone on she ex- they still have this dichotomy of like you're the believer I'm not the believer after everything that's happened um so yeah and that was it it was like nothing's changed they yeah. haven't grown they haven't developed um it was a bit it was a bit sad sorry Chrissy I know she's a huge fan um there's one I've, I've seen the episode where they had the young version of them oh. there's, yeah, there's another one that started well which is a uh, two young FBI agents come in and the male happens to Short, dark hair, is quite good looking, and the female's a doctor who has red hair, and um, okay. and, and they they sort of knock on their door because the the young guy is, is a believer and wants to ask Mulder for advice, and the girl's like, I can't believe you're doing this, and it's like obviously I mean, the crowd is yeah, obvious, yeah, yeah. and I thought, okay, that had potential because it was kind of funny, anyway, so yeah, <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that, but um, yeah, the company phoning it in, yeah, as he
0: does, as he does. So let's look at the director's notes so will kind of talk about some of the aspects of the film. Um, it was one of those films, as I said at the beginning, that, that faded into obscurity. Um, Craven would often speak of this movie as part of his work, but he just got a non response. Um, he was initially brought into the project to do a rewrite, which he did, uh, and Craven would talk of Baldine saying that he was incredibly popular with everyone on set. Mm. Um, the head sites, as I said were loosely based on the Amish but Craven would add the Amish are a lot nicer <laughs> yeah. um, Craven remarks on how he had a very stern father himself so that was something that he big resonated thing yeah. um, it's obviously a less graphic film in comparison to Last House and Hills mm-hmm. Uh, the producers uh, going to the ending of the movie producers wanted a monster or demon to be unleashed during the tractor death scene oh. uh, a bit earlier on oh. and he held his guns, Craven said no 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 I don't oh. want that one to be oh,
1: okay.
0: um uh, and then whilst filming this movie Craven <laughs> this is an interesting story whilst filming the movie Craven lost his apartment in New York uh, well, a listen? friend of David Hesse's who was in Last House and I left had been using it and the janitor on the apartment saw drugs and a gun and reported it to the landlords who in turn kicked Craven out Ah. while he wasn't there. So he would return to New York homeless and uh, Cunningham, Sean Cunningham, who he worked with Mm. uh, on last house on the left was in New York and he had to go and pick up Craven's stuff for him. Uh, The location of the shoot itself, the Deadly Blessing was uh, uh, had actually uncovered some you know... um, Top, topography that Craven had never encountered before. So you know, he's a city kid. So for him, he found that really fascinating. Oh, Grass. Uh, yeah. Um, and then the budget was the highest at the time that Craven had ever dealt with. Um, and all the kids that were used in it were uh, local kids. Oh right? yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah.
1: So it was like a million dollars. How much was the budget?
0: I didn't write it down. Actually, I just know it was more than oh, okay. more than he had handled at the time. Um, the bath scene was apparently going to be a shower scene a la Psycho mm-hmm. but Craven changed this uh, because it was too similar she was Psycho <laughs> uh, in the same scene Martha places a face cloth over her face while she's bathing mm-hmm. um, and uh, Craven apparently stole this from the marathon man because Dustin Hoffman does a similar thing. Oh, I right. would... like that. Oh, okay. They were like, oh, that's kind of cool. I thought you was going like, he stole it. <laughs> <laughs> he took it <laughs> home. <laughs> <with him. laughs> uh, anyway. hmm. um, he apparently uh, dreamt the bar scene as well, and which is why he uh, added it into the movie. Uh, um, he said, uh, dreams are the most common experience that humans have of entering into another world. Uh, yeah which is, uh, again, like, it's a theme that he plays on a lot. Have you seen the
1: film Like Me Street? That's right.
0: Yeah. The scene where the spider drops into Sharon Stone's mouth was actually a cotton ball with elastic bands cut in half.
1: Ah. I did not know that. No.
0: Craigman uh, would treat this film like an experiment, interestingly enough, like you said, he's a man yeah. still learning his craft. Mm. Often having to do little rewrites and improvs along the way. And going back to the ending in question that I was referring to earlier, uh, Craven wishes he could clip the end of The print um uh, he listened to the producers wishes in this instance because mm-hmm. uh, they wanted a big monster yeah. factor at the end but he finds it deeply humiliating and is embarrassed by it and apologies to everyone
1: yeah it didn't it, did, it didn't need it no but at the same time i thought maybe back then this was film taste being what it was it was considered a horror
0: yeah i don't yeah. know it's definitely bowed to the whim of the uh, producers yeah. in this instance so yeah interesting um, so the final verdict of Deadly Blessing uh, it's a fairly clunky film you know it has the restrictions of a low budget there is poor effects within it uh, strict production values all of which make it you know, seem a little bit dated and it makes me do- I mean it does still stand true like we say but it does make me wonder what it would look like with a modern adaptation to it um, what, what do you think what was your verdict
1: yeah I mean, it, to me it came across because I knew what he was going to come later did struck me as a, I learnt how to do these later films because of this film
0: yeah.
1: Uh, which is true for all filmmakers I guess but it's a bit more overt here yeah. um, and you've seen that with um, uh, Michelle Gondry with the famous Kylie Minogue video clip which he duplicates herself four times he did a yeah. Nina Cherry video back in the yeah. night you know the Kylie Minogue one where yeah, she goes yeah. around in circles that's I that's, know uh, uh, the uh, it's, uh, um, another
0: one I know the music yeah.
1: anyway <laughs> um, but he did a Nina Cherry video back in 97 which was the same concept but he didn't, okay. he didn't have the effects and doesn't work quite anywhere right. anyway well. okay. um, but that was the okay you know what I'm going to do it later and do it right and the same thing was not consciously probably going okay I'm going to do a better film than this but you could see that oh this idea of dreams I, know, I can refine that now I know that's what I want to talk about yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. how about a monster that kills you in your dreams yeah fantastic will one of the victims be Johnny Depp
0: yes it will here's some money and then off you yeah. go Go have fun, mm. which is why I still go back to the point that I made earlier on is that this is why this is a real iconic film in the history of West Craven's mm. work. This is Some a turning point, yeah. Right, uh, there are a few hiccups still along the way before mm. we get to a nightmare, um, but I he's probably we'll talk about that journey, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, he's, he, I think
1: um, he's probably learning horror doesn't mean horrific things, yeah, it's fucking with the common fears that we all have like Jaws works because we yeah. all have that fear when we go in the water yeah nightmares we all have nightmares that's
0: right
1: and not knowing if we've woken up from one was a genius twist yeah yeah um Absolutely. and not being able to wake up from one is a, is a genius twist um I was going to say something about that and uh, it's going <laughs> oh yeah now Stephen Moffat's take on dreams was really good for Doctor Who which is his thing was yeah. the Doctor theorises we've all had the same nightmare we just can't remember it I yeah. thought that was a
0: fucking genius idea genius idea
1: um, he plays
0: a lot with that you're right yeah, he, he does he has a lot of dream metaphors he does
1: and he comes up with very good common yeah. things that we didn't know he had that the angels being a classic example yeah. angels move when you don't look at them like agreed and yeah very good sci-fi tropes um, cool yes.
0: So, I would say to conclude on uh, Deadly Blessing, this, we are moving in positive directions in his career. Yeah, he's starting um, to get into feels,
1: the swing of things.
0: Feels, feels good. Uh, yeah. Might not needlessly, it might not be uh, as well as other films that we will talk about in due course. But for this particular movie uh, that will conclude our film surgery, uh, stick around for our next uh, uh, procedure, which will be on Swamp Thing.
1: Oh, yes. I can't wait to talk about that. Which you're joining me on, ends? Uh, am I?
0: Cool. Yeah. The Big Cheese is joining you the on that. The Big Cheese is joining me. So we hope you enjoyed our discussions. Until next time, we are Anthony Yee.
1: We are Paul Fowl.
0: That concludes it. Goodbye. You've been listening to a Surgeons of Horror podcast. Where's Craven, The Early Years. Episode 4, Deadly Blessing. Music supplied by Peter Nesik. For more discussions or podcasts, head over to surgeonsofhorror.com or head over to our Facebook and Twitter sites for the latest news and updates.